five, four, three, two, one, zero, and liftoff. You're listening to Working Forward. Presented by Symmetra. In partnership with NASA Reimagine. In this limited podcast series, hosted by Harry Monty, Laura Dynan-Haber, Paul Tyler, and Todd Zen, we explore the future of work from a variety of viewpoints and discuss the challenges and opportunities ahead. Hello, and welcome into the Working Forward podcast. I am Todd Zen, one of your co-hosts, and we are thrilled that you have decided to join us as we continue our exploration of the future of work. So we've got a fun episode planned for you today. I'll I'll call it a special episode. Uh, We do not have a guest, uh, but we have the hosts lined up, ready to talk, and really revisit where we've been. So we are at the halfway point of our journey here on the Working Forward podcast. And what we want to do today is take a step back, think about some of the themes that have really resonated with us, dig into it a little bit, and uh, have some good conversation. So hopefully you've you've enjoyed our previous episodes. We spoke with a futurist. We got employer perspective. We got some great perspective on the uh, what employees are looking for and needing in these times. And then an excellent episode that I was disappointed to miss but enjoyed as an audience member. A really good discussion of the medical environment and all the future of work implications. So with that, let me bring in my co-hosts. Um, first, starting with Harry Monty, head of benefits here at Symmetra. Harry, hello. Welcome to the show. Hey, Todd, looking forward to the conversation. Uh, As you said, halfway point, and uh, we had a lot of good dialogue, so looking forward to revisiting it. Awesome. Uh, Paul and Laura, welcome as well, our friends from NASA Reimagined. How are you today? Todd, great to be here. Excited to be here as well, and looking forward to diving in and rehashing all the conversations we've had this far. Wonderful. Well, let's do just that. So, Harry, I'm going to give you the honors. Um, You know, what has really resonated with you? And uh, what's the first thing you'd like to revisit as we as we take a look back? Yeah, so I'm going to um, I'm going to take a little bit of an easy path here on the first one. And just um, this shouldn't shouldn't surprise anyone who's a listener, just how much the pandemic has weaved into every one of our conversations, right? It, um, the impacts of the pandemic on accelerate, accelerating the use of technology, the way people are working, remote work. Um, yeah, I think there was a comment as I was listening back to the episodes, uh, something to the effect of traditional work is becoming more like gig work, right? Those lines are blurring between personal life and work life. And there's all kinds of implications about that. So, um, you know, there's no doubt that so much of what we've talked about has been impacted by how you know strange things have been for the last three years and uh, all due to the pandemic. But I will call out one thing that came up in the last episode, um, and that is care avoidance, right? That is something that I think is going to have real long-term impacts on our society. Um, and we it'll take years for us to see the ramifications of that. So care avoidance and just the delivery of health care, uh, reliance on telehealth, I, I'm I'm going to be fascinated to see how that plays out as we see the implications uh, of how people have approached healthcare uh, over the last three years. Yeah, Harry, Harry, your your comment about corporate work turning into gig work is is very interesting. So, you know, for a year and a half, I had you know both daughters at home, like I'm sure a lot of us, a lot of us did, and uh, re- very interesting, like 
employee onboarding really happened at the FedEx office. It was astonishing. Daughter, FedEx box shows up <laughs> for job number one on her porch. <laughs> she quits job number one, fills, gets FedEx box, takes back to FedEx office, sends computer back. New computer comes from new, com- new company, opens up, same computer. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think it's uh, it, it certainly I think accelerated how a, a lot of and, and showed possibilities about how this new contract may work. And I mean, do you do you see now? Obviously, some of this has changed. For next job, nothing like this. Um, people, even a startup, they want the people in the office in New York City, um, but. Probably eighty percent of their company is remote. Uh, do you think this is going to ca- cause a fundamental relook at how we onboard people and what that experience, what what really is is uh, distinguishable in the benefits process, or will this be like uh, an over exaggeration? We'll see a correction over the next two years and say, "Oh, I can't believe I thought that was how it was going to be." Yeah, I'm. I'm going to be interested to see how it plays out, right? One of the things that came up in the episodes is some companies are moving back to forcing people back in the office. And um, will that stick, right? Uh, as, as they onboard people and, well, actually, let's start with the recruiting, right? As they recruit people, are they going to be able to recruit the top talent if they're forcing folks back into the into the offices um, who don't want that onboarding experience, don't want that day-to-day experience, Um how long does it take to impact the retention of talent in order for them to, to those companies possibly to shift back to being more flexible? Um, maybe they won't have to, right? I, my personal opinion is that uh, if companies are not flexible in where people work and the experiences that they have, that they're going to start to feel the pain um, because I think it's just the reality of where we are. So to answer your question, Paul, I do think that um, I do think this stays and you know, if it if it isn't digital, people aren't going to do it, right? I, that's that's just the, the the fact of the generation that's coming. Yeah, one thing that came up in a conversation that we were having with Cake and Arrow, I found it really interesting, and the way that it was framed makes you go, "Oh yeah, that is how it was." So in their report, they talked about in the U.S. employers had been the organizing principle in a person's life, determining where they physically live, how they plan their lives around their work schedule, how they access benefits, how they access insurance. But I think with what we saw here with the gig economy and then others going hybrid, remote, et cetera, physical place has changed. I, I could be in Cabo right now with a virtual background and you wouldn't, A, you might not know, and B, it might not actually matter. So I think it's interesting how employers, where they used to be, you know, that that anchor of where someone was, they no longer have to act in that fashion. Yeah. You know, Laura, I mentioned earlier that I was listening to the episodes um, in, in preparation for this episode and um, there was a soundbite that really caught my attention when we were talking to employers. Um, they were talking about culture and the the shift of culture is now who we are, not where we are. And I thought that summed it up perfectly because, um, you know, the reality is you can't have every employee in the office all the time. I don't, that's just next to impossible in today's world. And uh, so that shift of who we are, I think is also driving a lot of, um, the a lot of the activity you're seeing from companies being more 
um, more aggressive and out there around who they are as a corporate entity, um, being involved in social programs and other things like that. So, uh, yeah, just a fascinating trend. Yeah, I, I would just add too. you know, as, as somebody who hired a lot of folks during the during the pandemic and onboarded them in this sort of unique environment, I thought company culture was all the more elevated in importance. It needed to be real. You needed to have a real culture in your DNA, because if you're going to reach people that are that are joining the company remotely, um, it's something that actually really needs to be palpable and, and resonate with folks. It, it can't just be lip service and a sign in the office about how everybody matters, right? And I, you know, I, one of the things I thought, I thought Symmetra did a great job during that time, and I, it, it just highlights how important culture is uh, when you're bringing new folks onto the team, regardless of where they may be. Yeah. And, and Paul, yeah, I don't know if I ever answered, sorry, Laura, I don't know if I ever answered your question because you asked about benefit delivery. Um, and I, I think this clearly impacts benefit delivery, right? I mean, everything has to be more digital. You have to have um, new communication techniques. I think back to when I started in the benefits um, arena, which was a long time ago. We don't have to get into that topic. Um, but, you know, everything was in paper and you had big employee meetings in the cafeteria. And um, now you think about that experience and how much of it is done digitally, uh, the amazing tools that are out there and being developed further around decision support for employees across their entire benefit suite. Um, yeah, that I, I think that um, the, the delivery of benefits is definitely impacted. It's a bit of a cliche. They say the the pandemic didn't create trends that accelerated them. And that may or not, may not be the case with everything. But with this one, it's absolutely the case because we were moving that way anyway in employee benefits. But the pandemic has absolutely rocketed us in that world and, and really upped our ante with those type of tools. Yeah, I, I suspect most people filled out their benefits forms online prior to the pandemic. You know, I, I suspect just for my, given my experience, um, Harry, I too remember the forums and the, <laughs> <laughs> the cafeteria the cafeterias. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it'd be interesting to know, like what are the stats where, you know, where did people fill out those benefit forms? Now, maybe it didn't change that much over the pandemic, but, you know, on the corporate network versus your, you know, you know, Verizon Wi-Fi, I, I it would be interesting to see, you know, where those decisions are getting made today. And I, I bet the vast majority, Todd, are at your table with your spouse, you know, talking through the benefits, which is a diff very different experience than it would have been, you know, five or 10 years ago. Yeah. And, and looking deeper also. into that, too, I mean, for the benefits perspective, there were a few pieces of the conversation where individuals were talking about what benefits people are using more of. So whole health entered the chat quite a bit. So it's not just you know physical health, going to the dentist, going to the doctor, but it's more of the mental health conversation and the whole health and what that means. So it was fascinating to hear how organizations at that moment in time, and again, things have changed and progressed over the last few months, but at that moment in time, where where are those conversations taking place? You know, one of our guests was uh, mentioning how now she has a big seat at the table, and as a benefits provider, her voice is heard in a much stronger fashion than it was previously. Because to the point of employees being remote or hybrid, she needs to speak on behalf of them to make sure that people are getting the benefits that they need and being authentic about it too. I mean, that was another piece of the conversation is the authenticity of leadership saying, for the example of mental health, uh, 
you know, being open and honest about their own personal journeys so the employees could feel as though they can come forth and, and seek what they need when they need it to make sure that we're taking care of our workforce wherever that is. So let's talk a little bit about, um, or sorry, Harry, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to jump in on that one because, um, yeah, I, I know leader vulnerability definitely came up um, in the in the discussion with uh, with the HR professionals and the tone that that sets around mental health. But um, one thing that caught my attention is, you know, Gary Golden in our initial episode, um, he brought up mental health, but he made it broader. Um, he talked about um, he talked about mental well-being. And it goes beyond mental health issues around depression, anxiety, right? Whatever, whatever a person's particular mental health issues are, and those clearly need to be addressed. And I've been, you know, I've been known to say that's the new pandemic. Right? I think I said that in one of the episodes. But when you bring in mental well-being and how it impacts work, um, this this shift from just addressing mental health to how people think about work impact on their overall mental well-being and the well-being of their family. Um, it's a much broader topic and one that I think is driving a lot of this flexibility uh, and support mechanisms that you're seeing uh, in the industry that employers are paying attention to. So speaking of flexibility, let's talk a little bit about flexibility and where and when people work. I, we heard that theme, I think, in every single episode, uh, maybe not the medical one, but certainly the first three. And, um, you know, clearly this is a very important factor in the future of work. Employers have different policies here. It's absolutely impacting recruitment, which is something, Harry, you said earlier. I'm curious what um, what you all think about this. Where, where are we headed? We've seen some evidence of maybe some companies pulling back from this. We've seen some companies that seem to be going even more so all in. You know, you know what? Based on our conversations and your own personal opinions, where do we think this is headed? I'll, I'll jump on this one real fast. Um, you know, it, this one's an interesting one to me because, as Harry mentioned, you know, there's flexibility in being able to be remote, to be hybrid. And there were conversations that we had in the podcast episodes where someone gave the example of, well, they're now, you know, they feel more empowered to have those global conversations with their global teams when it is right for them. And at the same time, they can jump off the call with Ireland, drop their children off at school, have their full work day, and then engage with their family when the family needs them most. So another piece of it, too, was around commuting times. And I don't know about you all, but when I go into the office, I lose on average possibly two, two and a half, maybe even three hours of, of work time to my commute and what that means to my day. So it's interesting perspective when you hear leadership in some cases saying, all right, workforce, you need to be back X days a week. And as an employee, and I happen to be a millennial, so we can you know, add that generational piece to this conversation as well, my mind goes to, okay, why? And it's not to push the envelope to say that my decision is right or wrong, but understanding that we had a workforce geographically distributed across the entire world for you know, two plus years working in ways that they adapted to and that were, in the most cases, really um, effective. So what is the call back to office? You know, does it harken to the culture conversation? Does it does it harken back to individuals physically having to be in a place in order to uh, do the job that they are hired to do? I think in everyone's um, case is different, but it's fascinating, especially now we're sitting at the end of January in 2023. 
And we have leaders come on uh, general news to say, okay, employees, I know that I said that you could be remote and that we're going to close all the offices, but I'm now mandating you need to be back X days a week and it's causing, you know, a dumpster fire. So I think it's I think it's a fascinating conversation between the technology that we've been able to implement to enable those to work remotely and hybrid. I think it's a conversation around the culture of is the culture of the company the same culture pre-pandemic and post-pandemic. You know, is that the same and are there expectations for it to be the same? Or have people realized that as the pandemic changed everything around us, that cultures needed to change to meet the new the new realities? So I mean, we could go down multiple paths, but even from what I've laid out, Todd, what do you what 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 do you think? Like what is your opinion on this? So I think this is a obviously a really fascinating discussion. And I, I think preferences are interesting. I think we'll, we'll I want to talk about the generational aspect here uh, that you brought up because I think it, it's really resonated with me as we've we've gone through this this journey talking about the different expectations of the generations in, in the workforce. But specifically on this topic, uh, you know, certainly there does seem to be a preference for remote work among maybe some of the younger generations. But it, it also seems I, I read something recently that and this was an analysis of some job postings and the ones that got the most interest. The one Ones that referenced a work location, by far the number one most uh, applied to, uh, the, the one that garnered the most interest was hybrid. So it wasn't full work from home. It wasn't you need to be in an office. And I think it, it seems to speak to this idea that folks are very interested in flexibility, uh, and whether it be they want to be able to go to an office or they want to be able not to go into an office, right? But they want they want both. They want the best of both worlds. And you know, frankly, I think it's a great thing because I think there are real benefits to to working at home. Uh, the commuting time you mentioned, but there's also real benefits for in person work too. Uh, you know, that ability to collaborate, I think, is is not the same in some contexts with remote work. So, you know, if we are settling into this hybrid space, it, it will be interesting to see how that evolves. But it seems to me that there's a lot of interest from folks in that hybrid work environment. Yeah. And, and Harry, we, we know that you have a soft spot for the metaverse. And in some of these conversations, we were kicking around ideas with the different guests saying, what can the future of, of work look like utilizing technology? And here we are on, on a platform called Riverside and we're recording. And it sounds as though we're in the same room together. Uh, we've talked about GIFs and how you know animation and movement can help set across tone for a message, utilizing different ways to communicate with one another. Harry, what do you... Do you think that you're going to have this, you know, will Symmetra have a, a metaverse office where employees can hang out by the virtual water cooler? Or what, what do you think the future of this could look like? You know, Laura, I knew you wouldn't let me get through this episode without um, bringing up the metaverse with me. So, um, you know, do I think there's going to be a metaverse office? No, but I, I want to come back to something that Todd said, and that is the um, the idea of hybrid work, right? So, Hybrid work is not easy to pull off effectively because, um, you know, I think about what our own company did during the pandemic is we hired people um, fully remote all over the country. And so, you know, hybrid work, um, only a certain portion of your employees have the ability to come into an office because they're near an office. And so how do you do hybrid work um, and make all employees feel like there's the same amount of inclusion and involvement. And I think a lot of that comes back to technology, right? So uh, if there's a team meeting 
in an office, but two thirds of the team is is there and the other third is not, how do you engage those folks that are on the team but can't physically be there without incurring a tremendous amount of cost um, to be part of the conversation? So I do think that comes back to technology, um, collaboration tools. I think, um, you know, I, I think Gary used the phrase presence technology, right, when we were talking about this. And um, I think that's going to be critically important going forward to make people feel like they are on the same team. Um, and, you know, eventually will that probably trend into the metaverse? Yes. Um, but, you know, I, I just think that employers have to be um, aware of where do people do their best work, right? I think that phrase came up in one of our conversations, um, allowing people to be where they do their best work and then having the right technology tools in place, whatever that technology may be, to feel them be, uh, have them feel and be in an inclusive environment and part of the team. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. And, and Paul, I'm going to jump over to you next. We were speaking with an individual who attended CES, and he was talking about a technology, and he had his the goggles on, so he's in the metaverse. And then he was talking about this startup who is enabling smell as part of the experience. So it was their piece of the technology, and he explained it to us as they were at a campfire. And the closer he got to the fire, the more he could smell the wood burning. Then he had his virtual s'more stick and he put his marshmallow in the virtual fire and his virtual marshmallow, he brought it to his face and he could smell. So I think that all of that technology coming up is a fascinating way to think about how we can engage employees, um, hybrid, remote, even just for the fun of it, in, in new exciting manners that will get them jazzed to be a part of a culture. Because I think a lot of the technology integration speaks to the openness and the flexibility of that culture. And we've seen some technologies come in, like Zoom, for those who had not been using it in advance of the pandemic, it's a real game changer. So I'm curious, you know, what else is on the line? What's coming up next? And how can organizations who may have a traditional undercurrent utilize new technologies and cultural conversations to kind of broaden broaden the workplace for those who are physically in office and then those who are who are about the country? Paul, what do you what do you think? You know, I think uh, I to get back to happiness, right? You think well, why why do we have benefits in the first place and offer them? Well, we, we want our employees to be happy. We want them to stay. Presumably we <laughs> presumably we do want them to stay. Some companies make it, you know, a, a sometimes focus more on their their skills and kind of weeding out people. But um, uh, it's interesting. I've seen a number of studies uh, around the world related to commuting time and happiness. And uh, I've seen some European studies that have said, uh, I think in the UK, we can you know, Todd, throw these some, maybe some notes uh, that suggest that uh, you know optimal time is sixteen. Oh, San, in San Francisco, a huge longitudinal study was conducted said the optimal time is about sixteen minutes to commute, and literally every single minute longer had a direct impact on your happiness and satisfaction. And said, in fact, no matter how good the job is. <laughs> how much you like the work, if you've got a long commute over time, your general happiness is, is going to decline. So I think, Harry, you know, connecting dots here, I think one is, well, if you want to have all your employees w work in a space, it can cost you an awful lot, you know, to have offices, some big office sitting in some place or multiple offices sitting in some place when you don't necessarily have to be there. But the more you can reduce the commuting time, 
um, the better it is. Now, if you're lucky enough to work in a company where you do have a short commute, you're, you're set. So, so Laura, I think it's in some ways, yes, it's about flexibility, but it's a lot about just practicality of distance. You mentioned your commute. Yeah. Three hours out of eight, you've lost a lot, a lot of time. Okay. To get there, to do this. So there's productivity, but, um, I, I, it, I, I think it's, you know, Harry, I think this is a, and, and Todd, I think this is a, we have a commuting problem here in the U S and it's been there for a long time. Yeah. Um, so I, I think at some point, economics and just simple retention, Todd, interesting stat you mentioned on, on uh, responses to jobs uh, where they're hybrid. I think it all comes back to the same thing, which is we want to be, be happy. And I think pandemic gives a chance to sit back and say, huh, maybe driving 30, 40, 50, 60 minutes is not what I want to be doing for the rest of my life. All right, so I want to pivot the conversation slightly to something that's come up a few times, uh, and I think it's something we've heard a lot in the episodes, and that's some of the difference, differences between the various generations in the workforce. We've got really four prominent generations playing a role in driving the workforce, and their expectations are so different in how they want to work, how they view benefits. We talked even about differences in their data security needs, you know, the Gen Y generation or Gen Gen Z, excuse me, would be much more likely to say exchange some data privacy for some sort of a benefit, uh, which is really interesting. Where maybe some older employees would have some skepticism around that. And you know, I think it's just really interesting from an employer standpoint. How do you keep? all generations in the workforce satisfied, engaged. And it seems to me that flexibility is the key. We've talked a lot about flexibility, but you need to be open to different working styles, different working locations. You also need to adjust your benefit plans accordingly, because as I mentioned, you may have a younger person who's lived their life online and has no concerns with accessing, say, a mental health program online, whereas maybe an older employee might have some hesitancy around maybe sharing that type of information, thinking, an employer might might get their hands on it in some way. So, you know, that's really interesting to me. I think another thing that's resonated to me a lot with the generational thing is understanding just how important it is for the younger, the earlier entrants in the workforce, the personal values that they have and the importance that the company they work for aligns with those values. It seems to me that it is just absolutely essential to recruitment efforts, to have an authentic company culture that really resonates with folks. So, you know, Harry, I think I'm really interested in your take as a as a as a leader of a of a large organization and I know you think about attracting employees, retaining them. Do you think about generational shifts in 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 this context at all? You know, Todd, I think you hit the the nail on the head, as they say, uh, with the word flexibility, because um, you have to meet your employees where they are. And the expectations are so different across the generations that if you're not flexible, you're going to be disappointing some subset of your uh, of your employees. And, um, you know, I'll come back to a comment that was made uh, in our uh, HR benefits professionals session, I think it was episode two, where we were talking about tools to help employees with mental health and self-care. And one of our guests uh, made the comment, uh, she said, you know, she has four kids. She doesn't have the time to do a lot. And she said, 
if it isn't digital, I'm not doing it, right? And, and this is an HR professional. Um, and so I think that underscores you know, whether it's a generational difference, whether it's a, you know, personal home situation, um, you, you have to have the flexibility and tools that allow your employees to do the things they want to do when they want to do them. Um, I think that ties into their benefits. It ties into the way they recruited, the way they work. Um, yeah, I want to underscore something I think came up in our very first episode. Um, you know, consumer experiences bleed into the workplace and, Every generation does things differently in their personal life, whether it's the way they shop, the way they live, their hobbies, um, but their experiences and their expectation around those experiences bleed into the workplace. I mean, there's if, if I'm, you know, giving any advice to employers out there, it is that, um, you know, your employees' personal choices and how they choose to live their life um, really comes over into the environment that they want at work. Because, though, as we said at the very beginning of this, the line between work and personal life is blurring, um, and I think that's just going to accelerate how consumer experiences um, really influence the way that we as employers have to react. Yeah, Harry, I thought we had a great discussion on uh, telehealth uh, yeah. and a, a lot of the issues uh, involved. Now, I, I do, th- I, I see the opportunities because I remember. Uh, when I first started working at a big company, I, we actually had a doctor's office in the building with a, a staffed physician. Uh, again, ostensibly, I'm assuming somebody made a decision, said it makes sense to have this on site so people can work, stay here and not go to, uh, take time away from their office, <laughs> their work to to get a, to go to a doctor's visit. Okay, well, that was cut a long time ago. But now telehealth creates an opportunity to maybe bring that back virtually. So I think there's some real positives here uh, in terms of what you know technology and working remotely, working in your house, um, you know, opens for employees. It was Todd, an interesting. Uh, it was an interesting, Paul. Uh, among our panel when we were talking about trends in healthcare, there was disagreement about the impact of telehealth, right? I mean, some people felt that it was going to negatively influence medical care because the doctor couldn't physically see the patient. Um, and others talked about the advancements in technology and how that can replace the personal interaction and that it's a great thing because of, of healthcare access. So, you know, even within the, the medical professional field, you have uh, you know, a very broad array of, of opinions. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think one of, one of the uh, guests, I think Harry said, I want to see people in, in in person, but then gets the CPR training on the robot <laughs> <laughs> virtually. <laughs> so you're right; we're we're conflicted there uh, on a lot of these topics. So I want to move to talking a bit about what's to come. But before we do, uh, Harry, do you have any final theme or anything you'd like to underscore um, that based on where we've been already? So I, I think we covered so many topics, right, that we have um, have been through in the episodes. Uh, if there's one other thing that I heard in the episodes that I would come back to is we asked the employers, right, the, the, the HR professionals, um, if they had advice for their peers, what would it be? And the very first thing they said was, listen to your employees. 
so I just want to underscore that as a theme that's been coming out in in the conversations, and I think it sums up a lot of what we talked about here today about flexibility and um, you know consumer experiences coming into into the the workplace. So uh, I thought that was great advice, and I just wanted to highlight that as as one last thought. And Harry, I, I'm I'm curious, like how well do you think companies are doing? Listen, I'll put you on a on the spot. Boy, I mean, it's all over the the map from my perspective, Paul. Right? I mean, I, I talk to a lot of people who work at a lot of companies, and um, you know, we work with we work with thousands of employers, and we see very different cultures. So, um, you know, I, I really think it comes down to the culture of the organization how well employers are listening to their employees. And uh, there's there's no one good answer to that question. Yeah, I'd agree with that, Harry. I think another thing too is um, authenticity goes along with that piece of it. We talked about the generations and finding value in pieces and something that stuck out for me was uh, in, the, in the employer conversation, it was about not be, being, bringing people in on planes in the climate impact. So thinking broadly and more broadly about how these decisions are impacting not only the person, the organization, the company, but also the world or social impacts, et cetera. I think it's important for companies to remain or become, I think become is the better word here, become authentic, authentically themselves, not only when they are sharing messages or posting those jobs, Todd, whether they're hybrid, remote, you know, be, if, if a company needs people in the office, be authentic about that. That is a culture move for them, and they will receive people who are okay with that culture move. But I think authenticity across all channels here is really going to set employers and employees up for the best situation, whatever that is. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. And I think that going back to the generational thing really does resonate with with younger employees as well. You know, that authentic culture, that authentic corporate social responsibility. And, you know, it goes a long way. So I think it's a really, really excellent point. So we are the Working Forward podcast. So I want us to be thinking forward as much as I've enjoyed this conversation about the past and and, and where we've been in the series. So I uh, want to share a little bit about our upcoming episode. So as we mentioned, we're at the halfway Waypoint. We've got four more great episodes planned for the audience. The first one that should be hitting your podcast feed is a discussion with employee benefit brokers. Employee benefit brokers are crucial partners for us in the benefits industry, and they are frankly living, eating, breathing the future of work every day. And their goal is really to advise their employer clients on preparing them for the future of work. So that could be benefits. It could be work style. It could be retention, attraction of new employees. It's really holistic. And I think getting their perspective is going to be really valuable to understand how they're advising their clients and you know what, what do they feel the trends might be. So we're really excited to have that conversation. That will be our episode five. After that, we've got two episodes planned with the InsureTech perspective. So um, obviously having Paul and Laura here as, as absolute experts in that space are, are gonna, it's going to make that a really fun conversation. We are lining up some guests now that are really 
focused on powering this future of work. We'll have a couple insure techs that are coming at this from an employee benefit perspective. We uh, obviously think that's important here in Symmetra Benefits, and I think uh, we've heard from others that benefits are a big part of that future of work. But we're also going to hear from a couple other insure techs that are powering other aspects of the future of work. So we are looking forward to that conversation. That will be our episode six and seven. Then we're going to pivot to episode eight, and it's going to be a topic that we have talked about in every episode in some context, including this one, and that is mental health, the importance of mental health in the workplace, the importance of employers, holistic mental health, Uh, mental health could be the next pandemic, all those types of things. So um, that's going to be our anchor episode. We've got some great guests lined up for that as well to really dig into what employers can do to to help uh, employee mental health, what are some of even the academic perspectives on mental health in the workplace. So that also should be a really exciting conversation. So that's where we're going. Let me ask my my host, maybe starting with Harry, uh, what are you most excited about for these upcoming conversations? Well, you know, as Laura called out earlier, I'm I'm always fascinated by the technology aspects of this, and um, it, so that's the aspect that I'm really looking forward to is talking about the solutions that people have developed for everything we're talking about, right? Um, yeah, and, and brokers have an interesting perspective on that. All of these solutions are you know knocking on their door, trying to reach employers. So it'll be interesting to see the broker's perspective on the solutions that are coming. Um, and with a, a heavy slant toward technology. So I think that's going to be interesting. That's great. Thanks, Harry. How about you, Paul? Uh, Todd, I think there's nothing better than hearing from people who are actually on the front lines. Harry, I agree with you. Benefit brokers are having these discussions every single day. And I presume the conversation varies wildly, especially when you get into sort of a, a mid-sized market where um, the companies may not be like, sprawling across the country, or they may, right? And uh, let's hear what they say. I can't wait. That's great. Laura, what are your thoughts? You know, I'm curious if if things are going to be unearthed that we haven't thought about yet. We're, you know, we're on the inside looking out. I, I love having outside perspectives come in as we have in the previous episodes. So especially as we dig in with the insurtechs, what are they seeing or what are they dreaming about that we may not have even thought about yet? And how could that impact us uh, potentially in the near term or the, the future term? But again, it comes down to technology. And I think bringing people in with different points of views and their you know, authentic culture they bring with it. And what, is it, what does it mean to such a traditional market? So I'm excited for those conversations. Yeah, you guys have just made me all the more excited to record these. Uh, This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, And speaking of fun, it's been great talking with you all today. Looking back, thinking about some of the things that really jumped out to us, it's it's been a great journey so far, and really excited for the for the future. So thank you all for joining. Uh, I especially want to thank the audience for being with us on this journey as well. Hope you've enjoyed our discussion today, and we are very excited to bring you those forthcoming episodes as well. So with that, we're going to close this episode of the Working for. Forward podcast. Thank you again for being with us, and we look forward to speaking with you soon. You're listening to Working Forward, Future of Work podcast series. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Symmetra Life Insurance Company or its affiliates.
The host is not affiliated with Symmetra Life Insurance Company and or any of its affiliates and is solely responsible for the content.